happy day after the Super Bowl, everybody. I'm actually recording this a couple hours after the game, and I have to say, I mean, the game was very good. Uh, it was fun. It's a strange penalty at the end, uh, which is always unfortunate for games to end that way, regardless of which side of that you're on, whether it's an intentional league thing or, you know, Philly people just complaining or, or whatever else is pretty nonpartisan bystander here. I was just kind of hanging out for the game. Uh, one of the, obviously the most interesting parts about the Super Bowl is obviously the halftime show. It's literally like the only time I think these days in modern days where like a hundred million people sit down to watch a live concert. So that's always obviously a bit of a spectacle. But one thing that I found was most entertaining is the prop bets you could have put on the halftime show, uh, especially like what color lipstick Rihanna was going to be wearing, what color uh, outfit her, her she was going to be wearing, or what song she was going to play first, whether Drake was going to come out and sing with her Jay-Z, or even, you could even, I'm not even kidding, you could bet on whether she was going to announce that she was pregnant. She didn't announce it, although uh, people pointed out after, and it was confirmed that she is pregnant. Anyways, I don't know what we're talking about, Rihanna pregnancy. But the best prop bet I saw on there was that you could bet whether she was going to be wearing a bucket hat during her performance or not. Uh, you know, shout out to FanDuel and everybody else offering those types of bets. Super ridiculous, but honestly, I like that. It fits kind of like the D-Gen lifestyle, and I enjoyed sharing that with uh, my Super Bowl party. I had people over, people that don't really watch football, had them over to watch the Super Bowl, and they got a kick out of that and trying to guess uh, which of those bets would be right. I didn't end up placing any bets on any of that. I, it was it was too late by the time I got to those betting lines. They had already closed the books on FanDuel. But besides Rihanna and the Super Bowl, we're kind of at an interesting time in sports right now, right? Because this is, football's done and football consumes so much of the zeitgeist, so much of the um, North American sports attention. And over the next little bit, or kind of, you know, true to our core, but more to reinforce it, over the next little while at First Mint, we're going to be focusing more on some of that kind of sports strategy. Again, you know, we kind of have this gaping hole now. What are we going to pay attention to as sports fans? Of course, there's NBA All-Star Game, March Madness, the rest of the NBA season. That's fun. The summer sports are coming. Golf, tennis, all that. Tour de France. Uh, NHL, if that's your bag, and then of course MLB and, and and a lot of other 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 stuff like Major League Soccer and and other leagues out there. But at the first mint, we're gonna dive into that a little bit more. We've already started doing kind of a weekly open mic with the Real Field D to talk about kind of different sports projects. And right now, personally, I am very deep in so rare MLB. I'll tell you right now, I'm I'm holding a bag and hoping to put out some content about that sometime, hopefully this week, and 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 kind of share with you guys what I've learned and kind of some of the stuff that I'm doing to try and understand what their second season is going to sound like. On the NBA front, uh, I guess SoRare has kind of all-star competitions coming along. The uh, LeBron auction ends this week or in a couple days. Top Shot launched their big LeBron thing, and we'll see what they have coming up for their All-Star Game celebration sometime very soon. Over on the UFC fight, we had a fantastic Volkanov fight the other night. I thought that that was awesome. I thought I had such a good time watching that fight. And big news from UFC Strike last week where they announced a game that they're going to be building, hopefully launching sometime in Q2 of this year. I doubt the platform is going to do much else before that actually comes out, but at least good to know that one of our favorite kind of collectible platforms actually has something coming up that they're they're building something else. And then all the way back on to NFL, again, NFL All Day is done its first kind of real full season, and I think this is going to be a really crucial offseason for the platform as they figure out what they're going to do. Are they going to keep the playbook? Are they going to come up with team leaderboards and find ways to send people to games and have tons of fun like that and really reward fandom or, again, you know, keep the playbook and up that gamification time will tell we're going to be covering all those types of platforms and more more and more on the podcast and kind of using this platform to kind of do a bit more of like a weekly recap kind of strategy chat but before we kind of move on to that type of podcast we still got our interview shows and today's interview is with Jordan Lyall, who is actually kind of a serial entrepreneur in the space and in life. I didn't really actually know too much about him, although I have worked with him before when we had our partnership with the platform Nifties and we helped to drop the Matrix NFTs like back at the end of 2021. We worked with him, although not directly. He was the head of product at that platform and has since moved on to a 
project called Venture Punk, which is kind of his own, I guess, creative lab. And and this is kind of what I wanted to ask him about is what exactly is Venture Punk doing? They've released a few interesting projects, including a really interesting one coming this week called Levels.art. And it was through this interview with Jordan that I found out that he's been releasing kind of kooky, wacky, interesting projects this whole time. He's been doing it since all the way back in 2013 when he developed an app where kids could actually call Santa on demand on this app and get linked up with a Santa actor somewhere around the world. Jordan, in my opinion, is is a, a pretty decent, like a good player in or big player, I guess, in the Web3 space, always kind of working to push stuff. You're also going to hear on this podcast the story of Meme, which was a, a, a something that blew up in the DeFi space around mid-2020 that literally started with a tweet from Jordan but ended up doing millions and millions of dollars of volume on a token that he never intended for it to exist. Like, he didn't really have too much of it. He literally tweeted once, and it turned into this real big thing. So listen to my interview and podcast with Jordan Lyall, the founder of VenturePuck, on The First Mint. What's up, everyone? It's LG Set, and you're listening to The First Mint, a podcast about Web3, business, and sports. Before we get to the show, a word from our sponsors. Watch, play, earn, redeem. It's that simple in the newest game from Bleacher Report. During NBA on TNT, test your trivia knowledge, and for every correct answer, you can earn BR tokens. BR tokens may unlock future access to limited quantities of real-world and digital assets, which are planned to be made available via an online marketplace terms apply, see brw2e.com. Nothing on today's show should be considered financial or trading advice of any kind. Please do your own thorough research and make your own trading decisions. This is not advice. Ladies and gentlemen of the First Mint, we have a return guest. We've only ever had like a handful of return guests, but we have Jordan Lyle from now VenturePunk, formerly from Nifties and a few other projects of which I'm sure we will discuss today. Jordan, the first time we met was, was literally like this, on a stream. Uh, I had no idea, like I, we were so early. You guys had just released Space Jam. Uh, Phil was super excited. Phil was like the Space Jam expert. It was a free claim for everybody, so he was very excited at the time. Uh, and, and that was almost two years ago. That's what's crazy actually about web three at this point that it's like, I've actually known some of these people like you for (laughs) almost two years. And it's like, I've been doing this for over two years, uh, which is crazy when you start to see, you know, some of those dates, even when you think about like meme, when you did that, it's like, that's 2020, like that's three years ago, you know? So, um, but dude, welcome, welcome back to the first minute. It's great to have you. Oh, thanks man. It's great to be here. Thanks so much. Uh, so let's, t- I mean, listen, there's so much, there's so much we can cover today. And obviously I want to talk about your new venture, adventure punk and all the great stuff that's coming out, uh, this week when people are listening to this, it'll be on the Monday. Um, but let's talk a little bit about you first, man. People always want to know the origin story, know kind of what your background is. So, I mean, listen, there's some, some really easy questions to answer here. Tell us like, you know, how you got started in the space. You know, I, I was a fan of what was going on with Bitcoin. I was just kind of blown away well, all the way back in like, uh, 2013 is when I first got into Bitcoin, just kind of on the sidelines. I bought one Bitcoin, just was fascinated with the tech. How did you buy the Bitcoin? Because I was reading today about people used to get Bitcoins like in the mail and shit like that. So like, how did you, (laughs) what was that? Yeah, fortunately, this was like just when Coinbase came around. It was like, I was probably like user number five or something. Like it was, it was like really, really early. Um, Fortunately, I, I missed like the Mt. Gox. Uh, you know, train, if I had been maybe a week earlier, I would have had to go to Mount Gox and might've lost it. But, uh, it was, it was crazy. I was, it, it's fun to kind of recollect and look, look through old emails and Gmail and see like, wow, I, I, I've been busy these last, this last decade. Um, but I was just kind of blown away on the tech, you know, uh, I, I started getting into altcoins <laughs> in those early days. Um, definitely not recommended, especially back then. Uh, I got burned. I lost a lot of money at the time for me, it was like a lot of money. So I said, okay, I'm done with crypto. I'm done with blockchain. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, you know, heal my wounds and, and, uh, move on to something else. But then I, just in case I always kept like the one Bitcoin because I knew that like, as like a a FOMO insurance policy, just in case I was going to keep the one Bitcoin. Uh, and thankfully I did. And, you know, in 20, 16, 2017, it was kind of, kind of interesting again. I, I then learned about Ethereum and I said, wow, this is something interesting. As a product guy, you know, as a startup guy, a builder, a founder, I was like, Bitcoin is cool, but 
with Ethereum, you can actually build on it. You can actually build products and we can start to, you know, we talked about one day being able to uh, replace banks and build out this financial infrastructure. And that just got me hooked. And um, this was early 2018. I want to say, actually, we're coming up on the five-year anniversary. I jumped in full-time. So I've been five years full-time in crypto. And, you know, mentioned two years ago, just like the friends that I've had over the last five years, it's it's so fun. That's why I go to so many conferences because it's just like seeing seeing the buddies that I've, that I haven't seen in years. Um, yeah. but I, I, so my web two company got a, like I had a web two startup, um, oh. that got acquired in 2014 and I, and I left, uh, after the earnout in 2018. And then, uh, I just said, I'm, I'm going for it. I, I need to be full time in crypto. I'm going to be thinking about it, building things nights and weekends. I may as well make it my full time thing. So that's when I, made the jump. I joined a uh, early crypto startup called Total, T-O-T-L-E, back in early 2018. And they were doing things around DEXs and they were like an early DEX aggregator, you know, decentralized exchange. These are the early days. Um, and just kind of, you know, built built this passion for, for building in this space. Was only there for a couple of years before I was recruited to Consensus. But um, yeah, just so, so much so much fun back in those early days, pre, uh, pre hype, really, um, you know, pre explosion of NFTs. It, it was a, it was a different time. So, so fun. Okay. Two questions for you. What, what was the web two startup that you sold? Congratulations. That's very cool. And also what was the worst shitcoin altcoin that you bought and like lost money on? Oh, geez. We're talking like 2014 altcoins. So there's probably only a couple I I can't even remember the name. I, I can think of some, but I think those are from 2017. Um, I I was just I was just dumb. And then there were these like mining, uh, like these mining platforms where you would deposit Bitcoin. They would use they said they would use that to go mine other Bitcoin, and they would pull them. It's it's your classic Ponzi. It's your classic uh, Ponzi scheme where they're taking money from previous investors to give it to new investors. Totally fell victim to stuff like that. It was early. Like we didn't, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that was that. Yeah. So my web two startup, uh, it's funny to say web two startup. I mean, it was, it was a startup. We just say it now to differentiate <laughs> between like pre crypto non, non blockchain startup. Um, so yeah, back in 2013, buddy and I had a, had like a, a web development agency. We were servicing clients like, Panasonic public storage. We were kind of like an outsourced development shop and we found ourselves building other people's products, other people's dreams and ideas. And it was like, man, it'd be fun to build our own ideas. It'd be fun to build our own products. So one day we fired all our clients literally overnight. We, we, we ended relationships with our clients and we said, we're, we, we, we left our job so that we could go start a company and put, but like, We've, with six clients, you have six bosses, and that's that's not fun. Like, let's swing for the fences. We could always find another job. So we came up with a short list of ideas. Uh, you know, I've got two young kids at home. I, I'm, I, I, I talk about risk on. I, I watched your podcast last week. Like, this was risk on. Like, two <laughs> two toddlers. Um, we're gonna fire all our clients and swing for the fences here. We had a list of like four or five business ideas that we were gonna start. Number one on that list was what if you could talk to Santa Claus on your phone, have a live video chat with the big guy himself during the holidays. And that was it. So two young kids, as I mentioned, they're the biggest celebrity in a kid's mind is Santa Claus. So we built video chat app for Santa. It was called Hello Santa. And families during the holidays could have a live video chat with Santa Claus himself from the comfort of their own homes. No more going to the mall. They got Santa right there on their phones. This is pre, you know, all this tech. And now there's a bunch of apps that do video calling and sharing. But this was 2013, uh, you know, 10 years ago, we were, we were doing stuff like that. Uh, so we did it. We built the Santa app and we, we ran for a couple seasons. We were on the Today Show on Christmas morning. We were like, it was, it was, it was crazy. We had, you know, dozens of Santa actors all around the world. We, we built like teleprompters. Actors? You mean it, it was Santa's Santa helpers. Really? 
Santa's oh, helpers. Helper. Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> there's something about this app that I don't know why it reminds me of Chat Roulette, but there's something like that was like the time though at the at the turn of the decade when it was like okay we can do like video calls now and like people were coming up with like the wackiest shit like that yeah. and like Chat Roulette was like you're gonna get matched up with like a total rando uh, and that but that was like that was like the thing to do and, and good on you guys for there, kind of there were that equally that you know some horror. Yeah, there were some horror stories back then, too, of, like, just weirdos getting connected, Santa dropping the F-bomb in front of kids. Like, there's... <laughs> We've got some stories, man. Yeah, Dude, I love that, man. There's also, you know, so obviously, you know, my brother, who we did the show with, and uh, I think we all hung out in New York last time. Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Um, we, one of the shows that we still reference now, because, like, 99% of Phil and I's, like, relationship is just referencing things from our childhood. And... Uh, which maybe I assume many siblings are like that, but that's mainly, it's like, we may like, it's like we talk about NFT in our community and then like things from our childhood. And then there's like an extra 1% that's like, I don't know, something like <laughs> what else is there? our own families or something, but yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and one of our favorite, absolute favorite shows from our childhood is something called Santa calls, which was this Canadian show, which was like, and this is like, this is like 1995 where it's like a studio and Santa's there and he's got his like, you know, Mrs. Claus is there and then there are like puppets, like Muppet type people who are Santa's helpers. And then kids call in from all over Canada and they talk to Santa live on the phone. So they're like, there's like an operator that's like, all right, Santa, next we got like John from New Brunswick. And there's like a, literally a three-year-old's voice that's like, hi, Santa, it's John, I want Hot Wheels. You know, and, and it was, oh man, it was like such a magical show because you're like, and that's like pre-YouTube, but it's like kids love watching yeah. other kids get presents. Like that, For even sure. like you're saying, I love that analogy. In a kid's mind, Santa is the biggest celebrity. I never thought of it that way, but you're absolutely right. And it's like that show... Uh, I always thought had legs to come into the the tech world, and it sounds like your <laughs> app was exactly that thing, right? Yeah, you know, uh, it probably could have done really well during the pandemic, or people are just home who wanted to go to the mall. True, it, it was super early, and what was really cool is that you know the the mom would or the or the mom or dad would uh, you know book the call on their phone, and they would enter in all the information about their kid. So that when Santa came on, he knew everything about this kid: their teachers' names, their dogs' names, what they did for fun kids minds were just blown and then we'd record the we record the video and make it just like one click post to facebook it was it was magical it was it was super fun so so much fun amazing man also that's like a precedent to like things like kids. Oh, my god what was that did you hear that was that your my cat shelf, dog my shelf just fell over and my dog got scared oh <laughs> my oh, whole bookshelf dog. in the closet just fell over oh my god I, wow, I, that was I, that scared me, man. Impactful. That's yeah. <laughs> Play the replay. I would probably like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll 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 edit that to start the whole show. There you <laughs> like, go. Yeah. Well, slow something exciting happens at one point on the show, yeah. just so you know, something scary. Uh, no, what I was gonna say is that's like also a precursor to cameo, right? Cameo, I thought, yeah. was like one of the most ingenious things of like yeah. you can pay fifty dollars for like Bret Hart the wrestler to send <laughs> your friend a birthday message and that that is like the most genius thing anybody's ever come up with and like it's you know again it's like born from that time of like hey like people like so, a di somebody on demand around the world whether it's a Santa or a chat roulette or a Bret Hart or whatever so yeah um, that, that way of really doing cool. it that async way of doing it and doing it quick uh we had all that tech we decided to double down on like the live stuff, even though we had built out like the pre-recorded messages and stuff. And we were talking to some celebrities. I, I think we could have been like the cameo before cameo. We just, you know, chose a different direction and we decided to get acquired. So, but it was, yeah, it was super cool. Dude, I think I think the Santa thing is way better. I think that that's yeah. that's way because Cameo is like you go to Cameo is kind of strange. Like I'm like, who are these, some of these people? Some Z like celebrities, yeah. <laughs> and some of them are hilarious, right? Like we got a yeah. message from like the situation from Jersey Shore for Phil for his birthday, which yeah. was comical, and it cost like a hundred bucks, and that was like really fun, but. Uh, the Santa part like that, I could see being like far more, far more like broad use. Cause like kids, like the, 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 the part where Santa is the biggest celebrity for a kid is something that to me really sticks out about that. You know, that's a great business prop for, for something. It like was, that. it was just fun. A couple of seasons where we were like instrumental in like family traditions, uh, yeah. and, and people were like, you know, 
repeat customers were coming back and you could see how the kids were growing, you know, a year older. It was, yeah, it was fun. And my, but my kids were, were, uh, were the guinea pigs, right? They got to test out the app at, at the time. So they were talking to Santa every day that it wasn't a big deal. They were, they were talking to him all the time. <laughs> They go to school and be like, I know they're calling Santa yesterday, you know, like just bragging to their friends. Be like, oh, I, what do you what do you need? I'll put I'll him put in a good Santa. I, I talk to him every night. <laughs> he calls me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. My dad's better than your dad because my dad had, links me up with Santa every every night. I talk to him every No, forget these stupid letters you've been writing your whole life. You know, like I got him. Yeah, on, he's right there. Yeah. Uh, Dude, what so so? Explain to me. This is actually curious for you as an entrepreneur, which clearly you are a serial entrepreneur, whether you, you want that title or not. What is your like? What what do you do as an entrepreneur? Like, are are you the the product guy? Like, you're just like okay, like this is the kind of thing you kind of come up with. Like, here's the type of product and how we should shape it so that it kind of goes out there. Are you the business mind? Are you the dev? Like, like or how does that even? How do you even fit into that kind of mix? Because clearly you've had a few different business partners. Uh, a lot of different ideas. How do you, how does that start? What do you do? I love just building. So I, I, I tend to just pick up like whatever needs to be done. Um, I, I do kind of have, you know, a decade plus of like product management experience. So I love creating like consumer products. Uh, I, you know, the, the company that acquired the Santa company was, was jib jab. Uh, many people might be familiar with that early yes. internet company, Talk about a mix between like the holidays and tech. Um, and while I was there, uh, you know, ran the mobile app, ran the website. So we're, we're, we're talking like millions of users, just kind of being thrust into a product with millions of users. So that was, that's what kind of where I cut my teeth around building consumer products that just delight people. So I ha- had a lot of fun with that. And, um, you know, I, I have a business degree. I, I know front end, I, uh, Last year, I, I finally deployed my own contract and wrote my own contract, my smart contract. But I don't consider myself um, a developer. I'm, I'm more of the. <laughs> you remember just a couple of weeks ago the meme with um, Rick Rubin? Do you remember that meme? Yes, it's no, still just, going around. It's, yeah, it's yeah, still no, going around. No discernible yeah. skills at all. I just know what's cool or whatever, whatever the meme <laughs> yeah. is. I, I yeah, really do yeah. feel like that. Uh, but, but, you know, I know enough code to like have a conversation with developer. I know enough. Um, oh. I feel like I have an eye for design where I can like organize the layout of an app or a page, but it, but it takes a, a it takes me working with like an awesome designer, awesome developer to get it out the door. I'm really good at like launching like V1 prototypes, proof of concepts. Um, and that's what I've been doing my, my you know, my whole life really, uh, dating back to, you know, when I learned HTML in high school, but like, now to have the resources and like the connections to, you know, partner with amazing developers and creators and artists to, to do something special is, has been amazing. Man, I think you just came up with like the title for this episode, which is going to be like the Rick Rubin of Web3 <laughs> or something. That works, man. They are I'm going to Photoshop you into that meme. Just add like a monster. Oh, yeah, here. please do. <laughs> Flash forward a couple decades. Yeah, that's just, great. I have no skills. I just know what's cool. Uh, but that's, you know, listen, man, that does apply, especially as, especially like, listen, we're talking NFTs, man. It's like you're in the vibe economy. Uh, you're in the meme economy. It's like literally that is like that is like the skill set that people pine for, not necessarily as builders like you are, but as as like literally traders. It's just like that's like it's not even it's not even being able to read the like reading the charts, all that kind of stuff. You see all the speculation on Twitter. Be like, here's why this is going to go up or down. And it's like, no, literally, I'm sorry, like maybe if you're talking Bitcoin, but like. When it comes to NFTs, it's literally just being able to sort through the thousands of things coming out every day and being like, that one is the one, you know, so uh, that's, that's very, it's very important. It's not, and it's not really unique to Web3. I mean, it's, it's magnified now, but like the best tech doesn't always win. You know, they always say Beta, Betamax was much better than VHS, but like they caught mm-hmm. the vibe, they caught whatever the right, the right timing or whatever. Uh, it's, you know, the meme often outweighs the product itself or the tech itself. How much, how much money have you spent in your life on like Discman's, Walkman's, all that kind of shit, just to, just to end up having Spotify or iTunes in your phone, right? You you buy your favorite cassette then you buy your favorite CD and then you buy it on iTunes. And then, then you like, you're going to set aside somewhere. I'm going to get the vinyl. And then now it's just, just pull up Spotify. Yeah. Our, our dad has 
like he had the most insane vinyl collection when we were kids. And it's something I never even like really realized what these were. I was like, discs, whatever. You know, and then at one point he got rid of them all and converted them to CDs. And then at one point he was like, and this is like late. This is like way after, like CDs were almost on the way out by the time he finally <laughs> took the jump. And by that point I was like, no, dad, like you shouldn't do that. And he's, and I was like doing like illegal Napster downloads at the time. And he's like, he's like, well, we're never going to do that. I, I should get these CDs. <laughs> and then now, now it's like movie wise, he spent years like getting all these great DVDs. And I, but for years I've been like, you're going to get, net- and now he, you know, he just got Netflix like a year ago. And I'm like, well, here we go. Like those DVDs are going to be gone soon too. And always a couple of years late, but, uh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, always a fan of like the ownership anyways. Right. He wanted, he wanted to have them and I'm sure it's really hard for him to have things only digitally. Right. But <laughs> Hey, now we're going to come out on the other side of that with NFTs where it's like, Oh no, they're actual items Hello. as well. Right. Like they're, you know, yeah, NFTs yeah. and, and web three. It's like, and Oh, there's cool. actual digital ownership like we've gone so far through the the worm like the the wormhole of like you don't own anything for real everything is like the SaaS product that renews every month to like oh no you will actually own stuff now but it's internet stuff right so it's it's fascinating uh how that works um let's talk about i'd love to learn a little bit more about meme which was your kind of like a project that i think really hit a lot of people uh, I think in early 2020, and, and honestly, I barely know much about it. It was a little bit before my time, and it's definitely way before uh, most of our current you know, community's time. Um, tell us about that project, what it was. You want the long version or the short version or, or something I in between? I want the exciting version. I want the version that you want to tell uh, that you you think is is important, and, and but don't leave out any, any gory details. <laughs> so... As with a lot of these projects that I launch, it starts with just a stupid, snarky tweet. Um, yeah, nice. And and your your listeners are probably like, "Well, that that's all you tweet." Uh, but <laughs> fair, fair. But uh, no. So this, yeah, it was it was like it was the summer of 2020. We're in the middle of DeFi summer, as as we as we call it. Everybody's yield farming. Uh, everybody's launching contracts, smart contracts. This was like. Yearn had just launched. Um, what what's the other one? Uh, the, just like a bunch of like seemingly degen like projects, curve, curve, Ave, curve, curve all that yeah. kind of all stuff, that. right? That's what I came into. Was like, listen, everything's about DeFi farming tokens. I actually came in through, do you know, pool together. Do you oh yeah, pool together. Yeah, yeah, so I'm I'm really close friends with, with Brendan, the CTO, and he'd been really? telling me for years to come into yeah, this space. Money. So he's the one. I was like, you should get in on this. And I looked at DeFi, and I was like, I don't. I was like, this is, I'm like an agency guy. Like I make TV commercials. Like this is not, I, 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 I sure I'll, I'll play in your protocol, but I don't know what's going on. That, that segues right into what I was thinking, you know, cause at the time I'm working at consensus. So the big blockchain company founded by one of the co-founders of Ethereum itself, massive, massive organization launched MetaMask and Fira, a bunch of, I'm, I'm, I'm at consensus and my job is to help users figure out risk in DeFi. How do brand new users into this DeFi space? This was this was like really early where not we, we didn't really know what was going on. It's pre-farming. It was really just like I'm gonna go put you a, I'm gonna go put die on on, on compound and, and get a small return. But uh, but like how do I know to go to this platform and not that platform with with like lending my 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 die. So we're really starting to think about risk. But that was what I was doing by day. By night, I'm just like pushing stacks of, you know, crypto into these yield farming pools and like, because experimenting it, you know, I, the, what I told myself is that I'm, I'm, you know, familiarizing myself with the market and I'm, but, but it's just seeing insane returns. So it's like, how do we bridge to the next, how are we going to get brand, how are we going to get the mainstream audience interested in this when it's just so crazy? People are just, you know, someone mints a contract and because it's from a particular wallet, I think that contract is going to hit, give me, you know, 30,000 X return, you know, whatever, 30,000% returns overnight. People are just pushing millions of dollars into contracts without a UI sight unseen. So I was dealing with the dichotomy of that. And it was just silly. You know, um, I posted a tweet that kind of made fun of the current situation. These degen developers just pushing out whatever. Um, and we need that. We need innovation, but it was like, maybe there's some balance of like, user safety and education and security and all that. Uh, I, I posted a little tweet called the degenerator and uh, it was just like, 
WordPress for like a yield farming protocol. So you click a couple buttons, you know, you, you pick, this was right after yam. If, if your listeners are familiar. So you, you, if you're familiar, so, you know, you pick a couple con, you pick a couple dropdowns, you select your, your food emoji, right? Cause every good protocol has a food emoji. I just happened to pick the pineapple just in the, in my mock-up of this design, I picked the pineapple. I tweeted it out. I thought I'd make a few friends laugh, you know, tens of thousands of likes, thousands of retweets later, people really resonated with this stupid tweet It's perfect timing. And then that's, <laughs> you know, that's another thing is like, I, 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 I just, my passion, my interests like tend to be like in line with the current meta people said, okay, but what, when can I use this product? Like people really thought it was a real product. And, um, I'm like, <laughs> well, that kind of defeats the purpose here. I was kind of trying to make poke fun at us. Bitcoiners loved it because they love to hate on Ethereum people. Yeah. Ethereum yeah people loved yeah. it because we, you know, it was an inside joke. But I'm like, I've had so, this was like Friday night, middle of the night. I'm like, I should do something with this. Always the opportunist. I launched a Telegram group as, as one does. And a bunch of people just like jumped in this group just based on the single tweet. And uh, thousands and thousands of people ended up joining this, this Telegram group. It's still called the Degenerator to this day. Um, but they're like, let's drop a token. And I'm like, you don't understand the whole point of the... <laughs> The joke <laughs> that we were going to poke fun at that. I'm like, okay, well, you, I'm not going to get involved, but you guys do it, whatever. Uh, somebody jumped in, did, you know, dropped an ERC20 token. The first, however many people in the Telegram group got to, got an airdrop of this token. I think it was only like 80 people got, got an airdrop of this token. Instead of calling it the Degenerator, which we almost did, they called it the Meme Token. And all of a sudden we have this meme token and people are going crazy and, you know, someone's going to call their buddy at, at uh, coin gecko to get it listed. Someone's <laughs> going to create a bunch of liquidity on Uniswap. And I'm like, what did I just do? I, I, uh, attempted, you know, the, the very thing I set out to destroy, I became, you know, it's, it's like, uh, it just kind of took a mind of its own and, um, it was this shit coin and I didn't want it to turn into this pump and dump tale. Right. I, I didn't want people to get burned. I, my name was attached to it. A reputation at consensus around, around risk. So I said, hold on. The, <laughs> the only way this, this, I can hope, I can hope to save this thing is if we give it utility, we turn this into a real project. Yeah. So we said, okay, what's really Mimi? What's really interesting right now? There was a spark of NFT interest again. You know, I had minted CryptoKitties in 2017. I had minted a bunch of things since then, but my focus was on DeFi. But I was like, some, I feel something's going on in NFTs. Again, this was August of 2020. Everyone's, everyone's yield farming. There's, there was a few of us. I'm not going to say it was, it was totally my idea. It was just like a bunch of us brainstorming. Uh, so we, we kind of mixed two memes together, which is like, uh, or two, two things together, which was NFTs and yield farming. What if you could stake this token and earn NFTs for staking, you know, NFTs as rewards? Everybody's staking their NFTs now. Literally every single project, I think, has some sort of staking platform. Yeah. They call it nesting. They call it whatever, you know, but like um, we, we, were, we were doing stuff like that, you know, two and a half years ago. And we, we created these and, you know, talk about meme NFTs, like six, five, two, nine is doing this now. Um, so it is cool to kind of see it come around, but we started making little meme NFTs of like crypto celebrities. So Vitalik was in there. Um, SBF was in there. Uh, CZ was like making meme NFTs. And the longer you held, the longer you staked, you know, the more pineapple points you could get. That's what we called them. And then you could redeem them for NFTs. But if you staked the LP token, you know, that represented liquidity on Uniswap for the token itself, then you could earn the, the legendary collection of these NFTs. We ended up working with artists and doing like legit art drops. Uh, we worked with Felocious back in the day and some other like really cool artists. Um, but it, it, it turned into this, into this crazy thing. I'm still at consensus at that time trying to, 
trying to balance it all together. And I'm like, there's something special here just to be innovating early days of NFTs. It was, was just so fun. What people don't understand too, and this is mainly for people listening. And this is like, this is probably like, I came in like right after that. So I saw the meme stuff, but I was, it was kind of thing where I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't understand enough of like this whole space, you know? So that's why I was like, I was collecting Top Shot because I was like, this is so straightforward. It's cards, but they're videos and it's an NFT. But even the <laughs> NFT part, I was like, it will take me a while to understand, but these cost a dollar. So cool. You know, like I buy my credit card, no problem. You know, I'll do this for yeah. fun. Um, but that was the kind of stuff a little bit beyond me. But as I learned more about that and about meme and then all the other stuff that was coming out, like at the time, like staking your NFT was so like nobody like even you're saying now everybody does that it's like you're right and back then that was like nobody did that that wasn't like a a thing you did uh and even when i held some sandbox land at the time and i think in 2021 they rolled out like stake your land for tokens and i was like whoa you know what i mean like i can put these items in and i'll get this token like that's fucking awesome but again like that's that's how novel it was it was like you're right now like moonbirds like nest them and you you get sent like fanny packs and socks and shit like that like that's really fun and really great but uh back then it was like so not not even new it was so like what do you it was like what do you mean you're gonna do that right it was yeah, like I think because I, what do you why 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 how does that work you know it, was, it, was, it wasn't yeah. even novel it was just like a it new was idea. It was, uh, for the most part, I, I think it was siloed sub-communities. You had the DeFi people there that were that were putting tokens into contracts and staking. You had these these artist communities, these collectors communities that were doing one-of-ones on Super Rare and some of these other early projects. Um, at the time, we were just like one of the first, if not the first, to like, what if, what if we did this and mashed up these DeFi mechanics with with uh with nfts and mm-hmm. it turns out people were, were into that man that is so fun i want to start like a venture punk for sports i don't know if that's what you're doing it i'm assuming venture punk is kind of like an outlet for you to do like very similar ideas we're really just some of those ideas like yeah. just give you some money and a platform to just ship that kind of stuff like all the time but even now you're getting me thinking i'm like man there's somebody there's so many hilarious stuff we, we're doing kind of like you're not doing but i wish we could be doing in the sports world or so and all the platforms we work with recover it's like well they're so locked into their licenses of like nba nfl it's like they can't do any like even if roham at dapper wants to do that fun shit like he can't he can't do that with top shot the nba is oh. like eh, you know they, they, <laughs> they can't do like all this create new shit all the time so it's like somebody's got to do it you just give me this idea of like man like what if we just ran wild with some of the stupid ideas we had for doing like cool funny sports nft just weird i don't i don't know what i don't even know what but it's like it feels like that's what our space needs right now is like innovation right because all the projects it's like either you're so rare and you're playing fantasy and that's very straightforward very simple very very applicable which is great or you're everything's just a copy of top shot like there's there's only two types of products you know or it's a native thing that's like some other blend of or you're playing like a mobile game right but there's no there's no like nobody's actually just coming up with new completely new ideas outside of what already exists so i feel like we, we need that in our space a little bit as well you yeah, know. venture punk is that for me. You know, it's just it's really just a yeah. vehicle for me to just like have fun, experiment, get some cool people on my team, and then just like build cool stuff with my friends. That's and and, and enough people thought that was interesting to invest in it. And uh, I, I I honestly, after you know five years in this space, I've launched multiple companies, multiple projects. I was really careful with the launch of venture punk to just be like, don't forget what makes you happy. Don't forget the types of innovation and types of products that you want to build. I I've done the, you know, hire a big team thing before I've done the partner with big studio before. What I'm more interested in is, is yeah, these scrappy things that are just so fun and experimental. I mean, we'll get to it, but I launched raccoons in like three days. Like we're, we're (laughs) able to just like ship. And I was just talking to, you know, I was just talking to Snowfro and he's, and he was just like, like obviously our blocks is doing amazing things, but it's like, man, to be able to just like quickly build and ship and get stuff out and get feedback. Like that's, that's what it's all about. I think especially right now too, 
right, Jordan? Like that's that's the thing is like right now we're in this middle period between big markets, right? We don't know we don't know what's going to happen. You got all this regulation kind of you know you got the regulation people hovering. You know, staking is bad now, right? Kraken can't do it anymore since the market's tumbling. But but it's like this is the time where it's like you're right. Like like people like Snowfro and the other like big creators have made it big. It's like they definitely like man got this whole business now we got all the stuff we do but like it'd be nice to just be back to the scrappy days right because that's where all those ideas that's where like Squig- squiggles was born out of just yeah. like you know let's just this is kind of just a random idea right but i love i love that meme and all that started from like a tweet that you were like no no this is this is this is a joke and everyone's like this is the greatest idea we've heard yet <laughs> you're like it's not real and but they're like but that's great you know and i feel like that is that i think is like such a tech as such a tech lesson in general of like the yeah. dumbest idea you have is actually probably the product, you know, and that's everyone tries to come up with the smartest idea, but it's actually like sometimes it's like or almost more like the most primal thing. Like even Facebook was started because he was like, I just want to see which which girls are single. And everyone's yeah. like, you're a pervert. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what if that was a product? And everyone's <laughs> like, now that's yeah. a product that half the world uses every day. Right. And it's that's a, that's how yeah. things start. I'm going to sound like a Silicon bro, but it's, it's a quote from Chris Dixon that says, uh, you know, interesting things start out as a toy or or whatever. I just totally mangled that, but anything interesting, you know, starts out as a toy. And, and I totally believe that, you know, I want to build things that I think are cool that I think my friends are, are going to think are cool. And, and if it flops, that's cool because we we're, we're taking shots on goal, you know, and, and, sometimes there are going to be these things where it just like lines up with the current narrative with like the timing and everything and like the meme and the vibe and the tech all come together. And uh, yeah, people are, people turn their heads. So, you know, uh, it's funny. It's this, this is, I'm throwing our conversation way, way off right now by saying this, but it's funny. You said shots on goal. I find it funny how many hockey analogies exist in the business world where, where actually it turns out very few people actually watch hockey, but there's so many, like, you know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And it, even that's in the office, perma, perma quote, <laughs> permaculture, uh, you know, there's this whole like Malcolm Gladwell thing of like, pull the goalie early, like, yep. you know, take risks well before the deadline, like hockey all these, all, yeah. yeah, hockey stick growth. <laughs> hockey stick growth is the other one. That's oh, it. There's yeah. so many hockey analogies, and yet hockey, like in terms of how many people watch hockey, like way down, way below. So I only watch hockey if like the Kings are on in 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 the Stanley Cup Finals. Right. I have nothing else to watch. I flip through the channel, which is very sure. rare that you're flipping, to, and it happens to be an interesting like. The only time I will watch hockey if it's like the planets align like that. But you're right. So many, <laughs> the Kings so suck, many, man. Uh, Listen, the, the Kings had a couple good years. They won two cups, and like that's it. You know, like it's pretty like siloed to just those couple years yeah, of like yeah, yeah, the true Dowdy, John, Jonathan Quick, uh, uh, prolif- uh, prolific years. Um, you know, actually, here's this is super random, but here's here's another idea from the '90s that I thought was so funny, but again, like such a stupid idea that that they innovated it for hockey broadcasts. I don't know if you ever watch hockey in the '90s on Fox, but Fox like, got the contrast. Follow the puck. Is that what you're yes? Going? The blue puck. Yeah, 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 yeah. The blue puck. That that was like that's how that's how much they were like. Listen, we have this hockey contract now. We're gonna put games on Fox, but we did we did uh, market research, and everybody's like, I can't see the puck. I can't. I don't understand what's happening. So they put a chip in the puck that glowed around the puck, and when they would shoot it, it glow red because it was like oh it's on fire it's like <laughs> that was like the stupidest thing man but it was like that's how we're gonna get america like well nfl put the yellow line so we're gonna do that yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah the like yellow NHL line. 94 is like next we're gonna see gretzky's head bleed and then it'll all be perfect <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no there's no NHL NFTs yet. I, I I harass almost on the weekly basis the company that has the contract for NHL NFTs, but it's something that I think the league direly direly needs, and it's something that has a lot of like nostalgic value for people. Like I think like even hockey cards are, are to me like pretty close to baseball cards in terms of like classic classic things. Also, hockey history like now hockey is pretty clean, but anything before ten years ago, like hockey is like a hooligan sport where guys literally beat the shit out of each other. Bare knuckle fighting on ice is yeah. Like, Literally, that's like the, when you think about it now, you're like, that's the most insane thing. Like even UFC isn't bare knuckle, but yeah. in hockey, it's like, oh, oh, these guys are mad at each other. Yeah, yeah, let them fight on ice with knives on their feet uh, with the bare knuckles. <laughs> Great. And then 50 <laughs> years ago, no helmets, no face mask, no, no. nothing. <laughs> They're wearing sweaters out there. Like, yeah, I, I <laughs> something's got to be oh. done. I'll if anybody from the NHL is listening, I'll go build something as long as I get creative control. Uh, we'll build something cool. They need LG you. and I will do it. 
they need you so yes that's it we will that's a partner that's the first mint venture punk will partner with the nhl to build just whatever we'll, we'll have to come up with the dumbest idea first jordan like whatever the stupidest thing is for nhl like that's that's what it has to be you know something <laughs> something so silly um yeah. okay let's let's actually i want to talk a little bit more venture punk because you know it's funny you told me that your your, your venture that you sold was calling santa because the first project on venture punk at least from what i saw was santa fm at christmas which was basically you send an NFT to the contract, and then yeah. on Christmas Day, you get a random NFT back that some other person uh, submitted, which was awesome. Just when I think I'm out, you know, Santa pulls me back in, man. Like, <laughs> honestly, I, I was sitting on that domain ever since I launched that first company, um, oh, Santa.fm. Yeah. So I'm like, I yeah. always wanted to do something with this domain. You know, we, we, we've been building what we just announced levels. We've been building that for a couple months, um, mm -hmm. but we were going to end 2022. We were going to end the year without shipping anything. And that just didn't sit with me, man. It was like, mm -hmm. we, we got to get something out there. Let's call time out on what, on these other projects and let's, let's ship something in a couple of weeks. Again, came up with a bunch of ideas. The one that resonated with the most people was this like white elephant gift exchange where you, you know, give an NFT, get an NFT. So to the, the, you know, people would, would deposit an NFT as long as it was on the approved list of OpenSea. So it wasn't like scam or anything. Mm -hmm. uh, you, yeah. You'd come back on, on Christmas morning. And it was this fun opening experiment experience and you get a new NFT. So that, that was, you know, try to pare it down to something so small, but like interesting enough, um, and that, and that, that was it. That was, it was, it was super cool. Not, not a revenue opportunity for us, but just a way to kind of get out there, get some users. I don't know if you noticed, but like Christmas Eve night, Snowfro drops in a squiggle to the Santa.fm prize pool. See that. So most of these NFTs are like these garbage, you know, <laughs> $5 NFTs. Somebody deposited an NFT that was like 0. 0.000 whatever. And Christmas morning, they opened it up and it was a squiggle. I don't know if you can oh. see my squiggle right there, but it was a squiggle yeah. that they opened under the tree. <laughs> Crazy, right? <laughs> Insane. Oh, I love that. I didn't know that. Do you know who the person is? Like, did they ever write in or anything like that? I, or we tried just... to reach out. It was just like an Anon wallet. We tried to track down like a Twitter account, but... Um, did they? Do they still have it? Have they sold it? Have they done anything? Unfortunately, they flipped it pretty quickly, so we don't they get a, like a good story out of it. But like, okay. we just made that person's year, right? Um, well, good for that. I, I don't know. I don't know what would be worse. Like somebody who flips it right away, and it's like, well, that's nice. Or somebody who like literally has only, only ever bought a couple NFTs once. They saw your thing randomly. They sent an NFT and never checked their wallet again, right? And it's just sitting there, which would be cool as well, right? That'd be a fun story. That'd be a fun story. Now it's like the provenance of that NFT. Is it worth a little bit more because it was because it went through this process? Would you pay a little bit more because it's different than just like other floors? The Santa NFT, <laughs> Santa effect, yeah. Oh my god, man, that is so good. Uh, tell me, because because by the time people are going to be listening to this on Monday, so let's talk about the levels dot art, the the Brinkman project that people are going to be able to play. I think on, I guess it'll be Thursday of next week, the sixteenth. Yeah, we're launching on the sixteenth. Um, yeah. And and you're right. Yeah, so we we just announced this last week, Monday, but it's levels dot art and. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Another kind of crazy idea of like, what if these NFTs are actually playable games? Yeah. Um, we've seen some of these things. Some of the art blocks pieces are interactive. Uh, there've been other kind of um, projects like this. There was G Money's Brick Breakers uh, last year or the year before. Um, so I, I partnered with the guy who developed the Brick Breakers game with G Money. His name is Cyber H49. Uh, he's also a punk, uh, and he's he's developed a bunch of cool things, cut a lot of projects he's worked on. So we kind of joined forces. He's working on the game itself and the NFT itself, and then Venture Punk is building out the platform and the community and the branding and everything. Um, but this NFT, and there's only going to be 100 of them in this collection, it's called Cloud Poppers, and it's so it's it's like Brian Brinkman's interpretation of what Asteroids should be in his world, in his head, right? So you got the yeah. classic Brian Brinkman, rainbow colored clouds. And instead of shooting asteroids, you're shooting these colorful clouds. Mm -hmm. And um, the gameplay is the same across all 100 things, right? Because we want to compare high scores and everything. 
But rarity comes into play when we talk about aesthetics. Your spaceship might look different. The, the sound effects might be different. The background might be different. Combination of all these things. The filters, like, it's going to look a little bit different. So, like, it'll establish, like, some may be more rare than others. Um, and anyone can play. Uh, this this will come later, but uh, we're going to be bringing in high scores where the owner can log their high score to the blockchain. And we can track that across NFTs. We can track that over time. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're just trying to think of a bunch of cool things, like, at this intersection uh, of, like, gaming and art i would say it, it starts with art and then because it's not like we're building like a, an on-chain you know rpg game or something like that uh everything that we're building and the reason why it's like retro 80s style arcade games is because everything's on chain all the art all the code for the game all the high scores will live in a smart contract so there's a re- so we're kind of limited in terms of like the the assets that we can put on chain so it's we're kind of like i've said that i've tweeted this before and it's like constraints lead to creativity because you're forced to be creative uh we're forced to like compress these things down so much that like we have to get creative how we solve some of these problems and and i think you end up you end up with something even more even more creative um Mm. So it's going to be really fun. Like Brian is one of my favorite artists, uh, and he's been a he's been a buddy of mine the last couple of years. So to get this will be the first time we get to work together. So I'm I'm really excited. So can you you can only you can only play if you buy one of the NFTs, correct? Everybody can play. Anybody Everybody can, play. can play. Yeah, you'll be able to play right on our website. You'll be able to play on OpenSea. Okay. So you can anybody anybody can play it. Um, in this version, that's that's the goal. We just kind of wanted to get everybody out there, get everybody playing this thing um you know we've planned out a whole roadmap of phases with like uh only the owner can play or only the owner can log their high school but when you think about it and you have these like arcade games out there uh and you as a collector as an owner of these assets this could be revenue generating asset because you let other people play it what if you owned the this this arcade machine and you put it out there and you charged everybody you know you know, 0.01 USDC to play the game. And, uh, in, in, you know, and I want to play your game. I'm happy to pay that amount, but, but maybe I could earn rewards and I'm earning tickets and then I can go spend those tickets on, um, on, you know, different, different prizes and things like that. This is kind of how it kind of came together when this is how I've described and I haven't done it to this point, but like, what if art blocks and Chuck E. Cheese had a baby? That would be, (laughs) That would be levels.art. It's like amazing art, amazing, like top tier artists, but like this, this like arcade economy. Dude, you're, you're just, you're just nothing but great podcast titles. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese art blocks, baby. It's, it's like your, your analogies yeah. are just fantastic. Uh, your comparisons. You know, what's funny is that I'm sure you, you know, Forefront. Yeah. Forefront. Like, yeah. So I, I read, I read a lot of Forefront and I did, uh, especially back in the day when I was starting. And one of the articles, I can't remember who wrote it. Uh, one of the best articles I read on there that helped me understand the kind of like play to earn potential of NFTs, which um, I'm not sure has quite been hit just yet. Like, I don't know if Axie was exactly that, uh, but was like the idea of the arcade and like the two token system of the arcade where it's like you pay to play, but then you earn tickets. And the more you play, the more tickets you get, but that lets you buy stuff that is either, you know, that like a, you know, stuff toys and stuff, which is exactly like Chuck E. Cheese, right? Like that's literally what it is, but you want to keep playing the arcade and you want to keep winning the stuff that's there. You don't, you don't necessarily need to leave with money, Right. Right. Like you can just earn fun, cool stuff or maybe that has utility elsewhere or something like that. But the idea of it and that's like an analogy I used very early on to explain that to people of like what you can build here is like think about it as like an arcade, like a two token system. Like you buy the tokens, you put them in the game and then you get the tickets and that gives you access to more stuff. Um, so that's really cool that you kind of, you came back all the way around and you're, you're calling it the <laughs> art box, Chuck E. Cheese place to be, uh, that's super fun, man. And the mechanics. So, so anybody can play, but we really want to get one of these tokens. There's only a hundred of them and they're going to start Dutch auction at one, at one ETH, correct? Yep. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Start at one. It'll count down every couple of minutes. It'll drop, you know, a fraction of an ETH. Um, it'll rest at 0.25 ETH. Got it. Uh, 
And that's it. Yeah. It'll be, it's a fun experiment. We have a lot of things planned, you know, to follow on, but like, as mentioned, I love just kind of like MVP is like so over overused, but like, what's the coolest thing that we could build to test this out? Like, of course we have all these ideas around things we want to do and prize pools and like all these crazy things. Oh, what if you could put your PFP in the game itself? Like, that's amazing. We want to do all stuff like that, but what's the coolest, smallest thing that we could launch to get, just to get data, to get learning, to be like, Oh, we have a passionate user base here. Let's, let's double down. Can I ask you what your thoughts are on Dookie dash? on like the board apes game, like of the whole, like the mechanic of like, you need, if you had one of the apes or mutant apes, you got the pass and then you use the pass and you validate your scores. We're kind of in the middle ground right now where they're, they're still validating the scores and it, you know, they've got this whole like theatrical poster kind of thing going of all the new experiences that are yeah. coming. We don't know what they are, but you know, it's, they built this whole story. What, what are your thoughts there around um, that style of play where it's like, you know, and obviously what happened where it's like, they ended up like people started hiring the best, gamers in the world the best fortnite players in the world to come and win for them yeah it's so funny honestly i i've been out of the yuga ecosystem for a few months now i sold my my ape um i love what they're doing it's just you know you can only be in a couple communities and like i just decided to just divest uh so i i only know what i hear from like podcasts like yours and 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 like tweets that make it to the top of my feed. It is super interesting of what they're doing. Um, I love the fact that people are outsourcing probably in like, uh, like horrible security practices, just like handing over, I don't know, are they handing over keys to these gamers? They're using delegate or warm to assign a, but then, but then what's happening is like the score is being inscribed to the wallet that played. So I'm not sure, but then it's not the wallet that owns it. So I'm not actually sure how that, how that's going to work in terms of like prize rewards. Uh, But yeah, like I'm in some discords where people like literally own a lot of apes and they're like, okay, I've, I've just met these guys. We're going to get these 10 people to play for us, you know, and like how much like I've seen the cost sheet of like, do you want this score, this score, this score, this is how much it costs. So, uh, you know, good for some gamers out there who who made some bank playing, you know, game for people. It's like, yeah, people overseas that are grinding, you know, farming, uh, you know, pre you know back 20 years ago playing these these online games you know f- farming these assets like of course it's going to happen now yeah. when the stakes are even higher uh yeah. that's actually kind of what gave us pause we we were about to launch levels.art with like this high score component and we weren't 100% sure that it couldn't be faked or that it couldn't be abused so we decided to ship without it it was it was a tough decision but like mm. you you can't play around when it comes to like especially when you start tying rewards to, to it and everything. So we decided to keep it simple and, and bring in uh, high scores later. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, man. It's amazing how, yeah, people find anything to kind of, people find any edge, anything to gamify, yeah, you know, cool. always, even yeah. like when they launched Dookie Dash, I was like, cool. Like, I wonder if I'll be good at it. And then like a week later, I was like, oh, like, of course, of course they went and hired the best. I never even thought of that, but I guess some people are just like, I guess really, I don't know if innovative is the right word, but resourceful, let's call it, right? It's like you always, always do never underestimate the resourcefulness of like a market maker or like a, just a market participant, right? To come up with just the most aggressive edge possible for something, right? Uh, Can you give us a preview of what else you're working on? Because we got, we got raccoons dropped this past week. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't know if that, what that ties into clearly something you guys came up with pretty quick. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about that and, and and any kind of glimpses of what else uh, you guys have coming with a couple minutes we have left. Yeah, sure. So raccoons is is another crazy project. Um, So there's a project that I launched last year, uh, the the OG raccoons. It was it was April of last year, I put 100 um, photos of raccoons on the blockchain, I made them NFTs, they were like public domain photos, and I put them on the blockchain. I said, Look, it's funny, because CCO is in the word raccoon. Isn't that funny? Ha ha, guys. And um, this, this is what I mentioned earlier, where it was the first contract I deployed myself. I didn't use right. Manifold. I didn't use any. I deployed it myself. I just thought it would be a fun exercise to figure out how it's done. Um, this was what we thought was going to be CCO summer. I was really into CCO stuff. And then I launched this collection of 100 photographs. Event. I didn't even make the, the work. It was just like I took public domain ph- photography 
pictures of raccoons, put them on the blockchain, <laughs> sold them for like 0.08 or whatever. Yeah. I think the floor quickly got up to like four ETH or something. Um, <laughs> I just attract the DGens, I guess. I don't, I don't know what the. Oh, the they DGens. know. They, I think, I think. Well, listen, man. After meme and stuff like that, like that's a, that's the kind of thing you know to careful. understand that it's like yeah. people are going to really closely follow whatever you're putting out there and 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 get it just just because you're you. Right, yeah. which is cool, but I'm sure it's also like kind of insane at the same time. It's it's it is insane. I love I love shipping stuff, but like now I have to think twice about what I put out there. Um, but I, <laughs> uh, that was what happened last year, right? Um, this year was like, man, I think there's something there. We kind of have a built-in community. There are about seventy, eighty holders of this OG raccoon. What if we did it big? This new, this new meta, this new meme of open editions and burn mechanics. It hit me I, after after participating in checks and some of these other burn mechanism, the the Nian Cat, all these cool projects. Uh, I was like, man, instead of just burning for another asset, wouldn't it be cool if you could like upgrade your character and have like almost like Pokemon on the blockchain where you start as one character and you can evolve to a new character. You burn, you burn two and then you become this new character, right? Like these different types of characters. And we did it. Like I had the idea like a week and a half ago. And then uh, I mentioned the idea to my buddy, Diego Rodriguez, who's a really amazing illustrator. And, um, he not just in a, in a day or two knocked out these really cool raccoon characters mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. In just a couple of days, we, we put it all together, threw it up on manifold. Um, and now, you know, just this morning, the, the minting window closed, I, I anticipated maybe 2000, maybe 3000 of these baby raccoon NFTs would be minted. There were like 46,000 baby raccoons minted in 24 hours. <laughs> and um, I, you know, I woke up in the morning and I saw that number climb. Just in the last hour, the amount doubled. Um, people were FOMOing in. And uh, so anyways, when the mint window closed, the burn window opened. So now just as of 8 a.m. this morning, you could... You could burn your babies, burn your baby raccoons, and evolve them into a toddler. And if you get two toddlers, you can burn those and get a teenager. So you're, you're kind of growing your character, evolving. It's becoming this kind of this fun thing. Rather than trading a, you know, a red NFT for a blue NFT, you're actually evolving your character. It's a little bit more storytelling, a little bit more fun yeah. involved. So yeah, it's it's fun. It's really early days. Literally, just uh, the burning step started happening just a few hours ago. A mm -hmm. um, lot of interest. I think it's a CCO project. You know, using using these kind of these cool mechanics. I want to open it up to the community and like there there have already been people that have like volunteered to help tell the story and sure, a bunch yeah. of cool derivatives are starting are already being built. It's it's just a wild time, man. I know, like you said, it's this perfect transitory period in history where like these crazy ideas have legs and um, it's really exciting to be in this, like bull markets are great, but like now is when it's fun to be a builder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm just checking it out. Yeah. People have really gone ham on these. That is so funny. Interesting. I didn't know the burn window was open. I'm going to go burn some of mine because I mentioned Ted. I was very burn excited. Them all. Uh, yeah. Also, while pe people are probably very curious about the first raccoon collection you mentioned. So yes, I'm looking at them right now. Uh, they are very adorable photos of raccoons and the floor. There's only one listed and it's for two and a half ETH, but there's 122, 222 ETH volume done so far, uh, but no sales in the last 10 months. <laughs> Project was a hit in my, at least in my circle. And yeah. then someone decided to drop the trash token dollar sign trash. And it was like, cool. But now we're back in this like yield farming thing and it became less interesting. Uh, and it was just, just on my mind. Like I gotta, I gotta bring those guys back. I gotta bring them back into the, into the fold here. So very yeah. cool. Uh, anything else, anything else coming up for venture punk that you can hint at? Dude, it's been a crazy week. I literally just launched two products and you want more from me. Um, Dude, There's this a, is NFTs, man. This is NFTs. This is yeah, just like, yes, yes. We always want more. That's what the community does. It doesn't matter the most amazing well, thing in the world. Be like, what else? Here's some alpha. 
I'm going to be building this amazing official NHL uh, <laughs> project. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're going to make it happen, dude. We're going to, we're going to manifest it. No pun intended. We're, we're going to, we're going to put it out there in the world. And, and Gary Bettman, is he, st- is he still the head of the NHL? He's going to yes. call us up and we're going to get a deal done by the end of the weekend. No. So, yeah, so we've got, I, for the projects we work on, I group them into small, medium, and large. Raccoons yeah. is small-ish. At least when we mint it, it could grow into something bigger. Levels yeah. is like right in our sweet spot of like, it, it, it's taken maybe a couple months to build. We're also working on like what I would call a large-sized project where it's like months of development um, could be pretty something could be pretty big, you know, make a bigger splash compared to like some of these toys and these fun things. Um, we're, we're, we're always kind of like juggling and, and like reprioritizing projects, but I, I just love generative art so much. I, I would love to like make a major dent in that space and provide a lot of value. And, and I'm such a fan of all the generative stuff and to be able to like throw my hat in the ring of like on the product side, um, would be super fun. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, I think I think we'd love to. I'd love to see you do that, and um, gonna keep following everything uh, you guys have done, man. That's great. Thanks, dude. It's great uh, to be back on, uh, <laughs> on the podcast. Oh yeah, actually, while you're here, can you tell me like what's next for the Space Jam NFTs? Um, <laughs> I have no idea. To be quite honest, I'm still bag holding. So you you might have more. Oh yeah, same here. Oh, I've still got a bunch. Oh yeah, I've st- I still have plenty. Hey, that was cool. Listen, man, the free claim on the Space Jam NFTs was awesome, and that went super viral. And it was like if you share it on Twitter, you get another one. And that was like that was a great freaking idea, man. Like that, so many people collected those. Yeah, no, it was yeah. great timing. It was like, yeah, and was it like middle? You know, it was middle of twenty. One. It was like July. It was July. Yeah, yeah July twenty twenty one. Yeah, perfect just as timing. The movie came out just as the movie was about to come out, or had just come out, or something like that. Dude, I thought if that, that movie was, so was good, then it'd be a different story. Uh, it was. I tried to watch it on the plane. It was so bad. I couldn't even do it. And I, I don't even know. I objectively, I don't even know if the first one's good or not because it's like I watched it when I was like so it's, impressionable, and also when Jordan was like the biggest freaking thing in the universe. So yeah, it was like I, I was know. like, this is it's not good, but I'm like, this is amazing at the same childhood. time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's your childhood, right? So you're just like, I always, it's like a fond memory of that, anyways. And also, like the first one was like loaded with like Bill Murray's in that movie, you know, <laughs> and it has yeah. like the guy who plays Newman from Seinfeld is in like, that. Like it, it had, it was like Nick all this in that, and like. Uh, all, all those '90s basketball players, you know, Dude, yeah, Bowl and everything. Chuck is in, the, yeah, Barkley, yeah, where he like, I, I, I often think about the part where Barkley goes to like play these like children on like a street court, and they beat him, and they tell him that he's just a lookalike wannabe of Charles Barkley, <laughs> and that's like, I still think about that where the the girls like, get out of here, wannabe. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> like how funny that is, and I feel like the the new one, like they just overproduced it. It's like, oh, here's Don Cheadle, he's this evil villain. I'm like, right. yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's 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 it does it's not hitting for me. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, that dude, project uh, was fun. Jordan, thank you so much, man. Great to chat with you again, and uh, we'll be watching Level's Daughter this week. Sweet. Thanks, LG. That was super fun. And that is going to do it for us today, folks. Hope you enjoyed that podcast with Jordan. I love doing some of these interviews where I feel like it's just like a transformative experience for me because I get to actually like learn a lot from the guests, hear their kind of entrepreneurial story, and even just usually like learn a couple new things. Anyways, like I said at the top of the episode, football's done. We got a big void of sports coming up, and we're going to be having a lot of fun at the First Mint talking about some of those NFT sports, everything in Web3 sports. So check out that in the coming weeks on 